Scene 7. Painted into a corner. Dart's warehouse was like a ghost town. Mina disappeared like the wind and Dart was nowhere to be found. April had positioned some agents on a stakeout, but they had nothing to report. It turns out, Rax was able to disband as quickly as a street riot. The members had all scattered back to their apartments and other groups. They were all still communicating in the chat rooms, so Da Vinci had an eye on everything. The Rax members were all waiting to hear more from Dart. He was radio silent. He had retreated to his home in Arlington Ridge, just south of the Pentagon and Pentagon City Mall. No one in the group even knew he had a home. Da Vinci's search yielded some Darren Temple references in and around the Drone Racing League. It turns out, Dart was hoping to become a pilot competitor in the league, so he was active in a drone racing club. When the weather was nice, the club would often practice at Gunston Park, next to a middle school not far from his house. Armed with this information, April dispatched a junior agent with his drone to the park. She was senior enough that people within her task force didn't question her, but no one on her team had any intelligence on Darren Temple's drone hobby. Da Vinci and Freud had struck up a friendship with Spiro and George. Spiro's introduction to Da Vinci was much the same as George. There was an instant connection. Spiro's patio looked like a street cafe from their hometown in Olympia. The four of them had video chat conversations that lasted for hours. For their part, Da Vinci and Freud always took a table at a cafe in a hotel in the pretty hills above Olympia. Da Vinci always came dressed as a traditional ancient Greek, wearing a blue tunic, a fisherman's cap, and knee socks. Freud's outfit never changed from his suit, but all four fiddled with their own koboloi, which are the Greek worry beads. Spiro had fashioned an iPad stand on a shelf above his table, so the iPad leaned forward and pointed down at the table. There was Greek coffee, backgammon, and hours of talking. Spiro and George knew the rich history of the Olympics and Greek history up until the time Da Vinci was born, so Da Vinci listened with great interest. Freud observed there was a thread, some type of channel, that linked from current day, back to Freud's days, back to Da Vinci's days, and on back to ancient Greece. There was something about the Greeks' connection to ancient history that was special and different. Freud paid close attention and set about to explain his observation. In typical fashion, Gavin Reynolds kept his ear on the tracks of April's progress. Embarrassment was growing out of his raid on the Rage headquarters. No useful evidence had been produced. He was determined to share or own credit on this case. He was so predictable. A few of his subordinates on the task force were alerting him to April's progress and the unexplained nature of her intelligence. He knew nearly every action April had taken with FBI resources. He was told that April's agents were curious about her sources. April was reading some reports when Reynolds stuck his head in her office door. 
Very bluntly, he asked, where are you getting your intelligence? No one has any idea. This was complicated for every obvious reason. April had shared nothing about da Vinci, Freud, or Nick for that matter. She put Reynolds on defensive. What's the matter, Gavin? Did that raid not work out for you? And he replied, You know full well how all that went, but it's immaterial. What sources are you using? No one seems to know. Oh, they know, April said smugly, and she went into attack mode. She was done with his years of backhand behaviors. They're telling you they don't know because people don't like dealing with you, she said sternly. Reynolds shot back. I don't even know what you're talking about, April. April finished him off. Look, it's not my job to give you career advice, but if you truly don't know what I'm talking about, and April paused. Forget it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll only speak for myself. I don't trust you one bit, so move on, Gavin, and leave me alone. Reynolds walked away bitter and mad. April felt quite accomplished and got back to the work at hand. To protect her cover, Mina opted to use her partner, Ivan, to help launch the final phase of the big attack tomorrow. They communicated directly on their cell phones using Threema, so these messages evaded da Vinci's watchful eyes. Ivan's responsibility was to coordinate with the Serbs, call for a major uprising by protest groups at the U.S. Capitol, and plan a location to hand out the paintballs from the blue striped crates and the remaining inventory from the red striped crates. The plan was both strategic and diabolical. Ivan was instructed to call for all the protest groups to meet on the north side of the Capitol, in front of Union Station. The Serbs would be there to hand out the deadly paintballs to all the unsuspecting protesters. Clearly, a large number of protesters who scattered around the north side of the Capitol would certainly create chaos. That chaos would grow to historic proportions when deadly paintballs began to break open. For her part, Mina planned to drive the Suburban to the south side of the Capitol. She planned to park it near the Eastern Market Metro stop, which is southeast of the Capitol. Once the emergency alert sounded, she planned to pull out and place the magnetic signs on the Suburban. The signs were emblazoned with the official Washington, D.C. police hazmat logos. A new white Suburban with logos looked like the fleet of other Suburbans used by D.C. brass. A hazmat response vehicle arriving at the precise moment from the south side of the Capitol in the height of a major disaster would gain enough access for this car bomb to cripple the United States government. April's team had worked through the night. They were coming up empty. They searched cameras for the past week near Dart's warehouse. They only had some footage with the panel van driving west, but it never returned. Dart's house was purchased in a family partnership under an LLC with a fictitious name, so his whereabouts remained unknown to the FBI. April was out of luck and could only hope that Dart would turn up at his warehouse or the park near his house, or somewhere in public. Dart was the critical link that April needed to connect all the dots. 
Just after 3 p.m. the next day, Ivan sent out the routine call for a riot to be held at the Capitol beginning at 6 p.m. Everyone was to meet at Union Station on the north side of the Capitol. A riot planned at a federal building always drew more protesters. That fact could not be more ideal. The plan was to meet at Union Station, then the groups would march over to the Capitol a couple blocks away, of course equipped with the deadly red paint marbles. The protesters were going to be unsuspecting mules. Da Vinci logged the information about the riot. He sensed there was something different about the upcoming protest. Rax was vacant, Dart was absent, and someone named Mina was frequently mentioned in the chat. April and Da Vinci shared their mutual frustration. They needed to find Darren Temple and they had just caught a break. Her agent at Gunston Park just called her. Temple was setting up his drone at the park. April told the agent to stay clear and keep an eye on Temple. It was just after 4.50 p.m. She raced out of her office with Da Vinci in her ear. Da Vinci was more effective at saving time driving than April's siren in red light. He could see every traffic camera. With the help of his navigation, he got her to the park in 20 minutes. Racing drones are capable of flying at over 110 miles an hour. So when April pulled in, she was immediately struck at the speed of Dart's drone. She hustled across the baseball diamond. Freud had joined in and was listening with Da Vinci. April officially identified herself and Dart recoiled. He recognized her from the other evening. He was not a fan of the police or the FBI or the United States government. Freud channeled some advice in April's earpiece. They appealed to something Dart actually cared about, his protester community. Freud whispered the name Mina in April's ear. Then April used Da Vinci's dancing cowboy line of questioning from when they first met. April asked, Are you nervous or uncomfortable with Mina's involvement with Rax? Oh, that shook Dart's tree. The mention of Mina's name created the impression the FBI knew more than they were offering. They hit a nerve and it worked. Dart needed help. April was his life raft. He blurted out information about Mina and the Serbs, the location of the storage facility in Bailey's Crossroads, and two vehicles a white panel van, and a new white Suburban. Da Vinci did what only a machine could do. He was doing about 10,000 tasks per second, searching databases and flight records, crime reports, cameras, facial recognition, social media posts, and much more. It worked. He found footage of Mina walking around the vehicle 10 times. He got to work on facial recognition for her and the Serbs. He watched the footage of both vehicles leaving the storage facility, and he was able to follow their path. The panel van was in the district, outside Union Station. The Suburban was parked a couple blocks from Eastern Market Metro Station. Standing behind April about 50 yards was the full force of the FBI. Although no one knew the full extent of the planned attack, Da Vinci, Freud, and April all sensed something bad was getting ready to happen. 
Dart had been offline, so he didn't know about the planned protest at the Capitol. She knew she had to intercede. Every decision she had made to conceal Nick, Da Vinci, and Freud were coming back to bite her. She had painted herself into a corner. Freud reminded her of her objectives. Protect Polly, investigate these protest groups, and learn about the depths of Da Vinci's powers. Her intuition was telling her to abandon the veil she had built up around Nick, Da Vinci, and Freud. She'd have to face the consequences. In spite of Freud's advice, protecting Polly and learning more about Da Vinci's capability felt like the wrong decision. Da Vinci remained committed to his objective, protect Nick and April at all costs. Da Vinci's broad search was doing loops around thousands of database locations, one of which was the websites for Interpol and Belgium law enforcement. A conspirator in Brussels had identified Marco and Vasco, and Interpol had just broadcast an arrest warrant for both of them. Da Vinci's facial recognition of Marco and Vasco at the storage location was a positive match. He shared this information with April, and she estimated it would take about 15 minutes for the FBI to zero in on them, from their arrival at Dulles to posting an APB and an arrest warrant for law enforcement to see. Da Vinci plotted and Freud waited. Dart looked at April and wondered why she was looking off into space. This is the end of scene seven.